Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. Yeah. Welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here tonight on the Full of America Radio Network. Each and every Monday night, you can find me right here on this network from 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the Mountain Time, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, this is where you reach us at, where this show is designed with you in mind, a show that is directly designed to address the issue of the uh, horrors of domestic violence, abuse, abandonment, rejection, loss, grief, whether it be by death, divorce, whether it be by ongoing abuse, or whatever it may be. This show is about bringing hope and healing in spite of the situation that you're going through. Our whole platform is provide not only educational but spiritual resources as well as it comes to addressing very, very sensitive subject matter. And so call a friend and tell them to join us listening in here on the Soul of America Radio Network, the number one blog radio in the country, and tell them to join us by calling area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. Or they can also reach me by going to www.soulofamericaradio.com. That's www.soulofamericaradio.com. The uh, tab where it says Hope and Healing and hit live show. That's how each and every uh, Monday night at this hour here. And for so many that are listening tonight, I'm so glad that you've joined us here because there's so much that we have to discuss in our week-to-week and day-to-day. And, of course, as I'm coming to you tonight, I'm coming to you, I'm back in sunny South Florida, and I'm grateful to be back today. As you know, over the month of uh, August, we have been on the road literally quite a bit. We joined you in that first week of August. Uh, we were there broadcasting live from Greenville, Mississippi, as we were there inside of a very great conference. Uh, they're sponsored by Our House. Uh, that's Our House there, uh, New Birth, uh, a New Life Church, I'm sorry, as well as the African American Domestic Peace Project. And it was a great conference in which we had an opportunity to be a part of that conference and not only presenting there. And I want to send out a special shout-out to 
the African-American Domestic Peace Project, and to Dr. Patricia Davenport. And so we had a great time there. The following week, we were in San Diego, California, and we were there in San Diego there, and it's a part of, a, if you would, a steering and network meeting there with the African-American Domestic Peace Project, and what an incredible show that we had on that particular day. And so we were broadcasting live from uh, San Diego on that week. And then, uh, of course, uh, this past week, we were in Oakland, California there, and we were there uh, in partnership with, if you would, a safe place uh, that is a domestic violence center there in Oakland, California. And we were in partnership with them, along with the work that they're doing through the African-American Domestic Peace Project, and they're partnering with the Bay Area clergy in addressing domestic violence. And we had an opportunity to be there, uh, to be able to be a part of the roundtable discussion, and to be able to, uh, with both the the clergy of the Bay Area, as well as uh, later on that day, we're there with the veterans intervention providers, the domestic violence center advocates, as well as other clergy. So we know that this issue is a real issue. We know that this issue here is something that uh, we're not sweeping up under the rug, but rather this issue is something that we have to address in so many ways. One of my greatest challenges, and I do call it a challenge of the day, is the fact that I believe that we that we have been commanded in this day and hour to do some work as it addresses this. In our communities, and particularly, let me say, the communities of color, we have a great responsibility because the impact that we feel in our society is so far-reaching that it reaches back generations and generations and generations. And no, I'm not one of those individuals who always blame uh, uh, slavery on every social ill and condition. But let's get the buck straight. You can't deny the impact of what over 400 years of, of oppression, 400 years of being raped and, and 400 years of being uh, ostracized and 400 years of being robbed, 400 years of maltreatment and trauma. You cannot deny the impact that it has had on us as a people. And that is something that we cannot just throw away. Yet and still, we cannot use it as an excuse for us not doing better. And I want to make sure that we understand that because we're in a day and time that we must be willing to do better about our situation. And so as we constantly address the subject matter, we're not just talking just to talk. We believe that we have been raised as one of the voices to bring real life to this issue, to do more than just talk about it, but to be about it. And I believe that there are other uh, people that have also been anointed and touched to be able to do this. Because, listen, our communities are torn by violence. Our families are destroyed by violence. Our faith is tested by violence. Therefore, it's incumbent upon us to address these issues because they're pouring out into the streets. They're pouring out into our everyday behavior. It goes beyond just black and white. It is about the method, the behavior, the belief system that we have that for some reason or another, We've abandoned common sense. We've abandoned the fact that we might just be able to talk it out. We might just be able to work it out. We might just be able to use uh, these little skills called negotiation, little skills called compromise, and that every conflict doesn't have to end up in violence, but behind conflict there is what we call a solution, that we can come up with a peaceful and a healthy solution. That means that we can agree to disagree. That means that I don't have to agree with everything you say, but it doesn't mean that it leads to fisticuffs neither. Neither does it lead to me bombing your house, uh, raiding and busting out your windows and those type of behaviors. Those are the type of behaviors that oftentimes that are that have an underlining root that is there. Why is it that you chose to grab the bat rather than to talk? 
Why is it that you chose to call her or him a name and degrade them rather than to really negotiate and speak? See, if we continue to talk about domestic violence only from a physical standpoint, only from physical abuse, we will have missed the opportunity to look at the root cause of so many things. What do you mean by that? I'm so glad you asked. What I mean by that, I mean that we have to understand that long before physical abuse often happens, there are always signs that, that this abuse is on, on the lurk. That in other words, that there is a propensity and a possibility that this abuse will turn physical. I guess in the field, they said long before they was ever beat, long before they was ever beat down, beat up, they were beat down. Long before they was ever beat up, they were beaten down. And they were beaten down with words. They were beaten down with manipulation. They were beaten down with schemes. They were beaten down with isolation. So listen, all those things happen like oh, a long time before we ever get to the place where we're looking at a person actually being physically abused. So tonight, this is open night tonight, open line tonight, so we're going to bring up a lot of different issues, a lot of situations that have taken place as we've had a chance to really dialogue, and we want to have an opportunity to share that tonight with one of you. So Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That's how you reach us. Erico three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is just here tonight on Hope and Healing: A Journey to Wholeness, and this is of America Radio Network. Now. For so many of you that are listening tonight, I want you to know that you can follow us on Facebook. There are a number of ways to follow us. We have a few pages. Domestic Violence, It Is Your Business, that is a page, open group page there. And in the dialogue, and many of the things that are put there, warning signs, help, resources that you can find there. But you can also join us also on our Destiny by Choice 2. That's Roman Normal 2, the Roman Normal 2 Fellowship. That is our, and our page there that is filled with inspiration with, uh, if you would, motivation, prayer, praise, and all those great things there. Then, of course, you can reach me on uh, uh, Facebook under J uh, J R Ficklin. That's where you can find me, Erico, but T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N. That's where you can find us. You that are following us on other pages there, you can find us there. We have a page there on Facebook that's called Santa Selma Lessons Learned. And I'll be talking more about that in the very near future as we are our documentary of uh, that uh, by that same topic, uh, Son of Selma Lessons Learned, and for many of you that may be listening the first time, that has come from my experience being born and raised in Selma, Alabama, and have an opportunity to have left there over 33 years ago and to have had the opportunity to return back, to return periodically, but even more significantly, significantly, we returned back on uh, March of this year. Uh, matter of fact, I was there, I believe, from March uh, 5th through the 9th, and uh, we returned for the 50th anniversary of the March on Selma. And, uh, and it was interesting because of the fact uh, there was so much that was uh, happening at that time. History was being made on every front. And there are so many lessons that we've learned, and we're now sharing that lesson. We're going to share that lesson through a documentary. And so, therefore, it will contain interviews that I've done with uh, people that were pioneers and leaders uh, in that area then and some that are leaders now. 
It will contain pictures and interviews with uh, individuals that, uh, for instance, the nurse who actually was the nurse who actually uh, not only tended to Jimmy Lee Jackson there at the hospital, but also tended to uh, the, a young John Lewis. It's uh, interviews with people there that was part of, if you would, the, the movement who were once upon a time just teenagers at the time, and life has gone on. And so that's going to be very interesting, so I'll keep you posted about that. But one thing I want to talk about tonight, I want to bring us back to this tonight is because of the fact we've got to understand the impact of what this issue, this epidemic, this pandemic has on our society as a whole. What does it do to our psyche? What does it do to little boys? What does it do to uh, girls? What does it do to them? What happens when we think that what is, what is going on between us is something that's just happening between us? Well, I'm here to tell you that it's never between just us. Our actions, our behavior, our mindset is trans, it's transferable. And when children look at this and they see this happening, they live what they learn, and they learn what they live. And as a result of it, guess what? We, we, we raise the next generation of batterers. We raise the next generation of victims. And so we have so much work to do inside of addressing this issue of domestic violence. Well, tonight, as we get ready to go into this open uh, live tonight, and for many of you that are just signing on and signing in, I welcome you once again to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm just so very glad that you are with us on tonight. So I want to say this to you, even as we go forth and um, do what needs to be done, I want you to know that we have an incredible opportunity. This is the part that's in front of a TVs and get in front of uh, things, and they love what I call the publicity of it. They love it because they, everybody have their own internal Martin Luther King moment. They're king for the day, and it looks like they're very involved. But it's interesting how many people fail to want to get down to the nitty-gritty where you have to roll up your sleeve. When you have to invest time, when you have to invest effort, when you have to invest, if you would, relationship, when you have to invest even money. See, when it comes to that, it's interesting how people fit out. They spread. They're gone. And they're gone because they understand that this thing, in order for us to really see change, it's not going to happen with a march. Absolutely march. It's not going to happen. We're just a prayer visual. What do we do after we've prayed? It's not going to happen just because of the fact we attended a few rallies. But the reality is, is that we will begin to see change. Willing to confront the issue on a day-to-day basis, but we're willing to confront our, each other when we, as men, are, are willing to hold our brothers accountable, hold other brothers accountable when it comes to this type of behavior. Destroying the next generation, we are setting the stage for our and our daughters. We're setting the stage, brothers. You may not believe this. You might find it crazy that I'm going to tell you. That your behavior will teach your daughter how to be treated. The way that she sees you interact. And if you're abusive, if you're abrasive, if you're that brother that has always got to put your hand on that or your significant other, if you're the one that don't know any other words in the, human, in the English vocabulary other than bees and holes and sluts and all those names like that and MFs, you know, then you wonder. What she'll end up with, remember, you're her first teacher. You show her a glimpse of what to look for. Ah, doesn't feel too good now, does it? 
No, go ahead and blame someone. Go ahead, but no, I don't tell you. Blame white man for that one. <laughs> go right ahead. Blame the police for that one. No, find someone to blame for that one. And I tell you who you can start with. You can start with the man in the mirror. Because the man in the mirror is the one that you're going to have to deal with. The man in the mirror is the one that you have also given over to your daughter. Eric O three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. That is just Eric O three two three seven eight four nine six three eight. You listen to Hope and Healing a Journey to Wholeness. This is your host J R Ficklin, and I'm so glad that you joined us tonight. I want to take my first commercial break for the night, and we're going to come back and we're going to get to going with this, and we're hopefully going to take some calls. So if you're holding on tonight, if you want to have a question or comment, simply call. And if you call in, uh, simply hit the number one on the keypad after you're on. That lets our engineer know that you want to get on the air, and we'll get you on the air. And so we'll be right back after this commercial break. This is the soul of America Radio. Thank you for listening to J.R. Thicklin, Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We feature every Monday night a show solely devoted to people that are going through abuse some type of problem in your lives that you can't work out. We mainly focus on domestic violence, the cancer in our lives. Join J.R. Thicklin, your host, here every Monday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock p.m. Central, right here on the Soul of America Radio. You can contact Jay every Monday night at 323-784-9638. Or you can listen to him online. Just follow at soulofamericaradio.com and listen for look for live streams. And that way you can speak or listen, whichever your choice may be. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin, on the Soul of America Radio. If you're listening via Internet and you want to speak to the host, Please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. Here's your host, J.R. Thicklin. I am back. I'm so sorry. We were offline there, and I know as we went offline, and I'm so very sorry uh, for that. That's one of the things that happened inside of a blog talk radio at times. 
so glad that we're back on now. And um, we're so glad that you've joined us even right now because the fact this is a important time. I think tonight's show is very important because it's open line. It's open line. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you, you may have to say, whatever, uh, you, uh, whatever uh, problem that you may have faced, this is the time right now to address this issue. And I believe that it is very critical in this day and time. Now, I want to get on with the show. I'm hoping that I'll have some other callers that will be calling in soon. And um, if not, we will definitely make sure that we still have a great show, and um, and we want to make sure that each and every one of you get a chance to be a part of it tonight. And that's what it's all about, uh, hope and healing, a journey to hope that is designed with you in mind. Yeah, it's a show that is designed with you in mind, and I don't want you to not be a part of it. I want you to be a part of what's going on, and I want you to be a part of what's happening. I want you to be a part of of, of, of the solution because we need people that are going to be about the solution. It is about being a part of the solution. I want to be a part of the solution. I want you to be a part of the solution, and I hope that you want to be a part of the solution tonight. And so with that being said in mind, I'm going to to have more of you uh, to join me in a I'm going to take the liberty actually going to play excerpts of a previous show that we had because I think this show here uh, will speak volumes um, to some things that are going on and some things that we've experienced. And um, I think that, um, you know, I do this for this reason here. It gives us an opportunity to sometime go back and listen to where we've been and to bring us into a place that is good for us to get to. And um, I want to do that inside of where we are today, and I'm going to see if I'm going to be able to do that right now. So I listen to this particular episode of the show. Come back. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R.
And welcome and welcome and welcome again to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklin. I'm so very glad that you've joined us tonight on the Soul of America Radio Network. That's right. Every Monday night from 9 p.m. to 1030, we are here on your line. That's 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock in the Central Time Zone, 7 in the mountains, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you have tuned in to Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness. I do want to apologize for the technical difficulties and get in on tonight, but that's because the show is that hot tonight. It is going to be just that impactful tonight. So wherever you're listening from, from coast to coast, we welcome you to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness. As you know, this broadcast is designed with you in mind. This is a platform that's dealing with the issues of domestic violence, sexual violence, dealing with abuse, abandonment, rejection and anything that have caused hurt that needs the restoration of healing. And so tonight, as we have you on the line, we have plenty of you that are still uh, holding on that uh, did not abandon us. And so we're grateful for that tonight. And we have some very special guests that is going to be with us on tonight. Uh, they're going to join us. Tonight, as always, is about empowerment. Tonight, as always, is about how do we make that next step. Tonight is about really the bridge that we begin to build in the lives of those that are so affected by this issue of domestic violence. And so we're going to get into our callers here in just a second. I have two very special guests with me tonight, and because of the fact we lost about 18 minutes worth of broadcast time, what I want to do is to make sure that we get you on and that you have an opportunity to participate inside of what we're doing. That is the fact that you can listen to us two ways. You can listen to us by going to www.soulofamericaradio.com, or you can listen to us by calling area code 323-784-9638. That's area code 323-784-9638. And at any given time, if you're listening you desire to have a question, want to speak to our guests or ask a question, Simply hit number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air, and we will get you on the air tonight, and we're so excited to have each and every one of you that are listening tonight on this great radio broadcast. Now, I want to immediately get started by saying these words here, that I believe tonight is about empowerment. I believe tonight is about victory and is about triumph. In other words, uh, there are many people that find themselves victims of domestic violence. We know that statistics says that women, one in four women in their lifetime, will be a victim of domestic violence. One in seven men will suffer that same fate. But what I want you to know is that just like there's a way in, there are ways out of it. And there are those that come out of it and they're triumphant and they get through it in a significant way. And so tonight I have two very special, uh, what I call victorious survivors that are on the line tonight. Uh, our first guest, and they're going to both be on simultaneously here in a minute, I am a Sheila. Uh, Sheila Bryan is going to be on the line with us. Sheila is not only a survivor, she is a businesswoman, she is an entrepreneur, and she is a mover and a shaker, and she has the testimony to prove it. She's come through some things, uh, she's overcome some things, and she has agreed tonight to be with us because she wants to share those things that she's come through. She wants to share about the victory that she has uh, had. And so tonight I welcome to Help and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. Sheila, I want to say good evening to you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jan. You know, uh, your story is absolutely tremendous. I had an opportunity a little bit over a week ago to share a platform with you uh, on another show, and I was so 
absolutely blessed by your testimony and by the things that you had endured that I told you immediately I wanted you on to on the show and you're here tonight. Uh, why don't you greet our audience tonight and share them a little bit about your story and how you came into it and how you came out of it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to also thank your listeners for tuning in. Um, my story began um, 1999. I flew in from South America, Colombia, very young, age of 17, and pretty much young to this country, naive, obviously, looking for the American dream, looking for bigger things in my life. I um, I definitely came across this very charming man. By the time I turned 18 in the summer of 2000, I you know, ran into this very charming, good-looking, handsome man who kind of just, you know, began to romance me, you know, we became good friends, and eventually after a year dating, we got married. Um, little to my knowledge, this gentleman was no longer the charming individual who he, you know, portrayed at the beginning. He began to, obviously after we got married, we found out we were pregnant. Um, at the time, I was not working. I was a stay-at-home wife, and abuse began the moment that we found out we were pregnant. So, at some point, the blame begins on perhaps having a child is more responsibility. Um, it was a very difficult time for me because I have no family in the United States. So I was kind of stuck at that point where I'm married and I'm pregnant, I'm young, not knowing much. I kind of got myself to believe that this was it at that point. Um, you know, over the years, we have more children. I had my first daughter at 19 my second daughter um, by the age of 20, and um, we had one more child, a son, which by the time I was 22, I had my third child. So little to say that it was a very tough, difficult situation when, you know, the abuse was emotional in the beginning, then it became physical. Um, He would hit me. My husband would hit me anywhere. We would go to the grocery store. We might go out in public to you know, different venues, different locations, and the strikes will come sometimes with no reason behind it. And um, one of my darkest moments in my marriage was, you know, being pregnant and my husband completely losing it and striking me so hard in my head that he completely split my head open. I, you know, I, I was bleeding profusely. He refused to take me to the hospital. He knew at that point by taking me to hospital, I would probably be, you know, in a situation where he would go to jail and I would have to stay in the hospital. And he kind of saw that and refused to take me to the hospital. So I was raised in the church, JR. So I would say thank God for that. Thank my family for that, raising me in the church. As a young girl, I always knew that there was a God and I just had to be faithful and believe that this situation was temporary, that I wasn't going to be there for a long time. Um, by the time I had my third son, I remember having an encounter as I ended up in a woman's shelter, an encounter with a young lady who said to me that there was help. You know, being that I'm an immigrant, I'm a foreigner, I'm married United States citizen, that there was help, that there was help definitely. And she gave me some information. She said, you know, you need to go to this location. You need to ask for help. There are resources. You can get your green card. You can get, you know, work permit. You can get out of this situation. So I began to seek and search more for information and came across that there was indeed 
a um, an American law that is to protect women like myself who are married to their abusers who are either United States citizens or legal permanent residents. And I began the process of the paperwork. You know, I, it took me about eight, nine months to just go through the ordeal of the paperwork and hiding this all from my husband. God forbid he found out then that I was doing that. I probably believe he would have killed me. Um, but thankfully, you know, I did everything, you know, wisely with, you know, seeking advice from people who knew what they were doing and what they were talking about. And um, thankfully, by the summer of 2006, I uh, finally got that document in the mail that I was, at that point, a green card holder, which gave me so much satisfaction and freedom. And I was so thankful to God and the people who came in my life around the time that helped me get this information. You know, when you went through that, and it had to be a very dark time for you because you dealt not only with the abuse, but you also dealt with the fear, I believe, of him uh, reinforcing the fact of threatening you that because you were not an American citizen and you did not have your paperwork, uh, he used that as power and control over you, threatening uh, to take the kids, threatening you that you would be deported. And so he used all of those things of what you did know in order to keep you in bondage. Would that be correct? That is absolutely correct, Yeah. It was always a threat, you know, whenever I say, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't want to go through this anymore, I genuinely did not want to raise my children in this environment. But I had to face the reality at that time. You see, there, I'm stuck with this man who's, you know, abusing me, constantly hitting me. I mean, I'm talking black eyes, busted lips, bruises, or or I'm going to face being homeless with my children. So it was a very difficult time with a constant reminder that you have no way of working, you have no way of providing, you have no way of getting my children, you know, and, you know, so it was very, very difficult. And, yes, that kept me behind for many, many years. The idea of not having a way of providing for my kids kept me back from really leaving him. And so when we talk about that, and you, you talk about all those fears there because, especially for those that are listening tonight, and you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness, I am your host, J.R. Thickland, and I have a couple of very special guests that are with me tonight. You're listening to Sheila uh, Bryan, and she's sharing her story, you know, having come from uh, another country, and you're here, and there's so many things that happen. We all experience prejudices in one sense or another. Here you are from another country, but your skin looked like any other African-American individual, and yet still inside of that which you were going through um you had the you had the different uh, other elements that's going on not only you're not being a being a uh citizen of this country but you also had the whole point going on as far as if you would uh those that might have judged you because you uh did speak another language those that might have uh looked at you as a person that might have deserved the abuse but one of the things you shared with me previously was that this abuse was not just physical this abuse also was emotional. It was uh, it, w- it was spiritual, uh, uh, but it also was economical or financial abuse that you endured as well. And I- I'd like to share a little bit more with our audience about that because of the fact. So often the whole mainstream focus on the physical abuse and oftentimes do not put enough emphasis on the other type of abuse that also serves as a oppressing tool of the perpetrator. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you, Jr. Most times we often hear the word domestic violence and we automatically assume that it becomes, you know, a physical punch from one individual to the other. 
But in violence, in in domestic cases, many times it becomes financial abuse to where one partner is opposing that the other makes more money or perhaps stagnates the growth of the financial growth in the home. So many times as one spouse is the main source of income, becomes very difficult to do better things, to grow. It becomes, you know, difficult as you have children as well to, you know, pay for better schools or to live in a, you know, different environment, a better neighborhood. Perhaps a spiritual abuse is preventing from going to church, preventing from having any visits. And, you know, those things are truly also part of domestic violence because it is, as you're saying, it's oppressing. It is continuous preventing that one spouse from reaching out, from seeking help, from doing much better. And, you know, many times, you know, one one going through that, you, you become suicidal, you become depressed, uh, many different, you know, feelings and emotions that do, do go through your, your mind. It truly has, you know, an effect on the children, especially in the cases where there are young children, whether it's between the marriage, the relationship, you know, one partner bringing the children into the relationship. So all that trickles down into the children as well. So domestic violence is not just affecting the person who's physically getting attacked, but it's affecting emotionally those who are around who are helpless, like the children. And that's a great point uh, to bring out because in many times, you know, from the outside looking in, there are folks who know of people being in an abusive relationship, and they oftentimes they pass judgment without understanding the dynamics. The fact that, you know, the children are exposed to it, the children are involved, oftentimes the dependency of the victim on the perpetrator to be the breadwinner. Uh, and, and in many cases where uh, the uh, victim may not have the skills or job skills or other opportunities to do things, they're, they're left dealing with with uh, the situation of if I leave, how am I going to make it? And all those things play a part. And, and you kind of gave uh, you kind of gave actually testimony to that. But where, where I want to guide you now is the fact that what was a key part for you getting out? Was it that defining moment when that person at that shelter said, "Look, there are you know there are things in place." for a person like you to be able to get your status and to be able to get out of this situation, was that the beginning of the green light? And if it was, where did you go from there? Well, to be very, very livid about the situation, just going back, my turning point was remembering one night, again, you know, the constant abuse. And, you know, I did at that point, Back in 2000, I have my older sister, which my only sister, flew in from South America. She came back to live in the United States as well. So we both split. You know, we had our separate lives. But my sister usually used to come and help me out and, you know, do her best. But I was married, so she was limited to how much assistance she could provide me. Um, And I remember one night, you know, having this, you know, fight again with my husband, calling my sister to help me to to come pick me up with me and my kids and, She was on her way, and she got into a very, very bad accident. And, um, you know, that was a turning point, the idea of me losing my sister because I'm in this relationship, because I'm allowing this man to abuse me. You know, that was it for me. That was the the moment that I had to do something because I was was never able to think of me being the reason for my sister losing her life to come and save my life, which I had control in my hands. So as I went to the shelter, you know, I remember having a conversation with this young lady, and she said, you know, there is help 
So I already made a decision that I was going to leave. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. So the moment I made a decision, JR, and, you know, I ended up in the women's shelter in Broward where I reside, I remember this conversation was so God aligning me on purpose that I could get out, that there is a way out. But I made a decision, so it becomes crucial for anyone who's listening who is either in the situation that wants to get out or know of someone, it first has to be a decision to just get out. And everything aligned itself right after. You know, the young lady I came across shared with me some information. She said, you can go to this congressman's office um, right in my area. I remember walking in, you know, in tears, just really, really asking, I need help. I really need help. So in the office, you know, a couple of people came to my rescue. They just asked me tons of questions. And we began to process paperwork. I had no money. I did not know how I was going to pay for this because everything costs money, obviously. So sometimes we begin to look at the obstacles versus, the you know, the outcome. You know, we do want to get out. We do want better. But we look at the obstacles sometimes. So I didn't look at obstacles at that point. I just made a decision, and everything started falling in place right after. Well, that's very powerful. I'm, I'm glad you shared because oftentimes, you know, from the outside looking in, it does, so for some people, it seemed easier said than done. But on the other end, as difficult as it was, you said something that was powerful and that you cannot begin to leave until you leave. You won't get out of it until you actually make those steps to go out. Every step is a step of faith. So we have to look yeah. at that. Every step is a step of faith in getting out of that. You know, Support is so important at that time. Your turning point was very significant because you uh, you saw that this issue and the relationship that you were in was not only affecting you, but the consequences of you being in it was also affecting family members, and in this case, your dear sister. And that became your eye-opening moment. It was your moment of truth, and uh, everything began to turn around from that point on. And that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. And I want to ask one other question uh, of you before I bring in uh, um, Sabrina Harris, because I think you guys share uh, very similar stories, and one says, and yet it's still a different uh, path you've taken. Now that this has been behind you and you've been out of this for for a, a great period of time, I want you to share with the audience what are some of the things that you have now done. I mean, you are you are a motivational speaker. You you, you do trainings. You are an entrepreneur in your own right. How did you get there? What was the what was it that brought you from pain to power? Wow, that is a very good question. I would like to first give glory to God. Um, I wouldn't be here on this line without him giving me the strength and the courage and just constantly speaking and praying and asking him to lead me, to guide me, to show me, just to give me one more day. Just give me one more day. So um, first I would like to thank him, you know, thank God for all things because I really, I did not know I would be here today. I did not know it. I, I, I believe that there was a better way. I believe that there was always an outcome that I wanted, but I just couldn't believe and I couldn't see when you're in a situation where you're being abused, you cannot see light. You all see darkness. You cannot see light. So as I got out of the situation, once I really got out of the marriage, you know, when we went through the courts and divorce was finalized and my life began at the moment where I made a decision not to look back but just to look forward. I started a regular job. You know, I put my kids in daycare at the time. They were very, very little, nine years ago. There were, I believe, uh, three two and nine months at the time 
And once I put my children in school, I began a job, you know, everything unfolded. I began to meet great people, God aligned me with some amazing individuals who began to open my eyes, who began to give me wisdom, opening doors, and I just took steps of faith one after the other, one after the other, knocking on doors and just taking advantage of opportunities that just felt right, that I knew that would help me become a better person, become a better mother, and eventually begin to talk to women. Um, it's just great to know that at some point my life story has served over the nine, nine years now that I've been out of that situation. My life story has served to save some women from going through it, some women who are currently you know, in the situation, to give them hope that it's possibilities that they can get out. Um, and so I always knew that I had to become better. So just getting out of that situation until today, JR, genuinely has been my faith, my belief that I can, you know, always give back and, you know, just be a servant to people and um, use my story, you know, source of faith, because we know that the word says that faith comes by hearing. You know, hope, hope is important. Faith is important. For, so, so, so once we know that we have overcome a struggle and, and, and we've come through a very difficult journey, we can now help someone else who's in the same situation. Absolutely. Well, what a powerful testimony, and the fact that you came out and that your faith brought you through it. And oftentimes that's a missing element because it's one thing to find physical safety, but it's another thing to find a spiritual and a place, a centerpiece of not only hope, but a centerpiece of uh, of serenity, knowing that God is with you, and it brought you out. And I thank you so very much for sharing. Stay with us. I know you're going to have to be leaving soon, but what I want to do is immediately after this commercial break, I'm going to bring on um, Sabrina Harris, the uh, founder and CEO of the House of Love Villionaires, and what a testimony she also have. And uh, I'm going to set it up, but I want you to stay tuned to it. We'll be right back after Absolutely. the break. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hope. Via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in soulful talk radio. By Choice to Fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook. Through a search, you can find us. 
If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem 2, and I am fighting the power on the soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the soul of America Radio. You're listening to SOAR. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Back to Open Healing, a journey to wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland, and I'm so glad that you've joined us tonight here on the Soul of America Radio Network. What a powerful show that we have tonight. Two very special guests uh, that have been on. You've had the opportunity to listen to Sheila uh, Bryan, and what a powerful story. A story of not only going through the abuse, but surviving the abuse. The difference that knowledge made and information, but even more importantly, the faith that she had to sustain her after she came out of it. In many ways, our next guests uh, share a very similar path. She, too, was very young when she was inside of her abusive situation, both of them 18-year-old uh, inside of that regard. And our, our guest now is uh, Sabrina Harris. She is the CEO and uh, founder of the House of La Villionaire. She'll tell you more about that. But besides that, she's, not, she's a survivor of domestic violence. She is a, she is a, uh, a, a mental health counselor. She is an individual that, uh, listen, she, she's a lot of things. She's doing a lot of things that are making uh, some tremendous difference. And I want to welcome her to the show tonight because she's also one of my friends and colleagues as well. Good evening. Welcome to Hope and Healing, a journey to hold us. Sabrina, you're on the air with us. Good evening, Namaste, Pastor Thicklin. I salute you for the platform and for the opportunity to join you this evening. I give all praise and honor to God, first and foremost, for he is the reason and the possibility for everything that transpires and that comes together how it's supposed to be. And also to my queen sister, Sheila Bryan, we've interacted so much now, I honestly look forward to meeting her in person and just giving her a big hug and saluting her for what she's doing as well. Well, you know, that's a powerful, that's very powerful because to a certain degree, there becomes a sisterhood, if you would, for those that have come out of these type of relationship, abusive relationship, and perhaps a kindred in spirit in the sense of the fact of the power of triumph. And I think that is something that you both share uh, mutually. And uh, and yet and still, as much as your stories are so very similar, your path of coming out has caused something to happen within each of you. You and I uh, have had some tremendous times together inside of just discussing. As a matter of fact, we know that when we talk, we generally have to make some room for space because it can go on and on and on because of just the passion that we have. And we know that there are things that God has given us, not just to talk about it, but to be about it. And, uh, and so I want you to share with our audience tonight, share with them your journey inside of going from your pain to power. Well, it's very interesting 
my start because I came from a two-parent, very stable household. My mother was present. My father was present. They were married. My brother was there. And there was a tremendous spiritual base. We were raised in the church, Southern Baptist. We got all the teachings and everything else. But the one thing that so enamored me, and I was a daddy's girl to the end of power, but it was the way that my father interacted with his family, the love that he had for his family, but the way that he treated my mother. He was so kind and respectful and patient, and he made sure that his family wanted for nothing. So I realize now that it set my expectations for what I desired to see within a man and within a relationship. And I realize now that I set the bar way very, very high and the standards were way up there, and I wasn't willing to relinquish them because that's all I knew. But my journey started when I was about 18 years old, and one of the things that was very telling for me inside of this relationship that eventually ensued and progressed into marriage was that I had already had a child. So I had a child out of wedlock, and that relationship, it fell apart, And I met who was to be my ex-husband, and it materialized on from there. But it didn't start out problematic. And that's the seed I tried desperately to plant in the hearts and minds of young people because it didn't start out that way. Although, mind you, we weren't equally yoked by any means for a lot of reasons, it was just a nice, amicable meeting, starting of a relationship, And it eventually progressed, although now I can reflect back on a lot of the training and things that I know and I'm aware of, there were warning signs. There were red flares all over the place, but I didn't see them as such because I was young and naive. But I spoke about with Bakari Wright and Sheila Bryan and yourself when we were on a week or so ago about the culminating experience or the one that really stood out the most. And that's the one when we were having a verbal exchange, an argument. And one of the things I realized about him now that I didn't recognize as so then was a very controlling nature, a need to be in in control, to be the man, and to be all of this. And I was so in my heyday not willing to be controlled, so I was not submissive by any means. And we had a verbal exchange that I felt like I had won. I felt pretty good about it. And it ended up with him burning me on my knee with a cigarette lighter from the car. And I'll never forget the way he looked, and I'll never forget the expression in his words, like, you won't talk to me that way. You will never argue with me. We we won't do this. You will not do whatever I say pretty much goes. And that was the point where the dam burst. But I remember that night nursing my knee. I knew I couldn't tell my father because it would have been a problem because, again, daddy's little girl. I knew I couldn't tell my brother because it would have been another problem, but it would have been like two men at war for sure. And somewhere deep inside of me, I knew that the situation was wrong and I knew the behavior was off the Richter and off the mark, but somewhere inside of me I told myself that I loved him enough to be able to help him and get through it. And long story short, it got progressively worse. 
But the children had started by that point. We had gotten a home together. We had accumulated things together. So in a lot of ways, I teach people now about questioning why people stay because a lot of times there is no true justification from the outside because logically it doesn't make sense. But to, to the person going through it, especially when your mindset is warped or it's not open or there's not a good understanding, you just don't put it together in a logical way, but it makes sense to you. So I talk a lot about revictimization of asking people, well, why did you stay? Because I get that quite a bit when people hear me talk or they hear me speak or, or I can never see you going through anything like that or accepting anything like that. And I say, oh, there was a time. I didn't always have the knowledge and the experience and the fortitude that I have today, thank God, that he empowered me and gave me this voice and gave me the non-fear factor, but it wasn't always this way. Wow. You know, so over a period of time, not only did you learn, but over a period of time you also have found your voice. And you found your voice in a way, and one of the things that's been so interesting and such a delight in, in working with you is, is is even the way that you think. That because although you were a victim and you came through this, and you are now a victorious survivor, the process that you went through in order that you may become whole and that you that your life became better and not bitter is something I think that people need to hear because although you went through all this and there's been some things that you've not even shared that have been absolutely uh, just, you know, horrendous, I mean, some atrocious things that have happened inside of that, and yet still you've come out of it, you've, been, you, 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 uh, you've gone through your healing process, and I always say that we're always healing, but definitely you've come to that place now that rather than being bitter, you're better. You're about empowering and you're empowering women, and, and, and one thing I like is that there, there doesn't seem to be the re- residual of I hate all men uh, thing that have uh, happened with you, but rather you have actually taken a stand to talk about the fact that, that, uh, that men are good men, there are good men, and that, uh, that men too are victims of this, whether it's through being exposed to it at home or uh, living that type of life, and you've talked about the fact of even how we have to embrace our brothers as well. So that's a different dynamic inside of that, and I definitely would love for you to take the opportunity to talk about that because that also leads us into some very special event that, that is about to happen here real soon. Absolutely. I want to thank you both, first of all, yourself and Sheila, for touching on the various aspects of abuse. Because you are absolutely right that most people zero in on physical. But certainly within mine, there was emotional, there was verbal, there was spiritual, financial, sexual, professional, and academic. Because a lot of women don't realize that a lot of times their way out is to become better educated, more educated, the better position that brings in the income. And a lot of times, the partner recognizes that, and there's a maneuver or a strategic ploy to block and stop. I remember both times during undergrad having arguments in the parking lot, and one became physical. And I, to this day, cannot explain to you or give you any justification or rationale for doing that. But I became to understand that he saw my success and my advancement and my flowering as his loss of control, 
and I now can recognize that. But one thing I want to say about seeing the abuser and perpetrator differently is this. Once I got to the point of leaving the relationship, and that was even a feat within itself because I remember sitting in the bed one morning, and I just woke up and I couldn't start crying. I couldn't stop crying. I was just so emotional. It was like just my whole body was shaking. And I remember praying to God. I mean, it was almost like a conversation in sorts. And I say, Lord, if there is any true purpose, if there is any reason why I am going through all of this and it was meant to be, please show me without a shadow of a doubt. But I say, if this is of my own accord, my own systematic doing, and I need to systematically undo it with your help, your favor, your grace, Please show me that as well. And Pastor Thicklin, two days later, situation culminated into me having to call the police, him arming himself, him being tased by the police, arrested, and that long journey home. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was my open door. But I also knew coming out of that relationship, number one, that I did have to go through a process. I'm going to be completely honest, and that's one of the reasons why the forgiveness event that we're doing coming on April 18th, it came to bear because I realized that I did hurt. I did have a level of hate in my heart. I had not found my way to forgiveness. But one thing I was mindful of, that I was not going to carry that into my next relationship. So I took a pause and spent some time with Sabrina. And I went through a process almost as if I was grieving. And I allowed myself to experience emotions and read the books and speak to mentors and tap into people who were spiritual so they could pour into me and help me understand that everything that I was feeling, it made perfect sense as to what I had gone through. But the point was to not get stuck, to somehow add purpose to my pain, make it relevant. And I'll also be honest that I fought do battle with becoming open and, and forthright and having this platform because I was very prideful and very private. And I did not want to open up and bear that part of my life that I had been in shelters and I had escaped and been in a safe house for three or four months and that my children had been placed here with my mother while I moved a residence two or three times, but that I had always gone back and listened to the honeymoon phase of the apologies and it's not going to happen again. This is the last time. I, I really didn't want people to see me in my state of weakness. And God, in 2013, I'll never forget it, I had gone through an accident, debilitation, I had gone through recuperation, therapy, and all of this, and he said, this is the season. This is the shift. This is the turn. You didn't go through all of that for nothing, and it's not for you to be silent. These things that you keep shelving, that you keep writing, that you keep speaking about in conversations here and there, this is for many. And one thing I'll never forget, and my mother actually had to remind me of it later. I was about 21 years old, and I had attended a church service at her encouragement. I wasn't in the church at that time. I was living my life, and I was doing my own thing. And I'll never forget, I was seated like on the far left end of the pew, and there was a woman all the way down on the other end. 
and she kept moving. Like she moved a little bit, she made her way down to me, and she was just crying, and she said, I know you don't know me. She said, but I got to be obedient to God, and I got to tell you. And she said, I see a sea, a sea of women, and it's a lot of darkness and a lot of tears, but she said, you're going to touch many, you're going to reach many, and she just began to prophesy. And Pastor Thickland, I laughed. I left church laughing. I was like, wow, she could not have been farther off the mark with me because my life was nowhere near that. And everything she wow. said has come to pass and still coming to pass. Wow. Isn't it amazing that even in the midst of where you were at the time, at a time when you could not see, could not even phantom, Yourself being this incredible tool, incredible instrument, this incredible influence, this woman was able to look into the spirit realm and actually see that there was a purpose for your life, and that was even a purpose for your pain, and that out of your pain, out of the experience that you had, that you would be used as an instrument of God's love. Yeah. That's amazing. And you've done some great things. You've done some great and things, thing, and I want to say this. Go right ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I, was, I just wanted to say one of the things that I'm very honest about, too, in my life is that I was not perfect in that season, and I never want to make it seem at all one-sided because there was a period of time when I felt like I needed to defend myself or there was a period of time when I was disrespectful because all of the things that were going on and going wrong. So I realized and I accept. And I have asked for forgiveness for my role and my part. Even going through my pain, I was not excused from my behavior as well. So I think that's also wow. important towards forgiveness. It is. Listen, people, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thickland. And uh, I tell you, you're listening to our special guest, one of our special guests, uh, Ms. Sabrina Harris, the CEO and founder of the House of the Billionaires, and so many great things, uh, mover, shaker, and a powerful businesswoman. And uh, those of you that have been with us most of the time, you've also listened to uh, Sheila uh, Bryan. And uh, Sheila has to go, and I think you're still on the line, but if you could just say, uh, give you a good vibe, we thank you so much. And I know that you've heard Sabrina, and all of us are going to be together real soon. I know we are and everything. So um, if you would, Sheila, give us your, your your last parting words before we go to commercial break. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JR. I got to say, I am containing my tears, Sabrina. I am containing my tears for you, not just of joy, but just to know that I am really you and you are me. So <laughs> grateful to God for this connection. Um, thank you so much, JR, for having me. I truly look forward to an in-person, you know, meet and greet with the both of you pretty soon. And I continue to impact the world because this is what we were really created for. Our struggles are not by any means for us to just lay out, you know, lay in and be sad and poke around. Our struggles are truly a revelation of how good God has been to us by giving our story and testimony for others to have hope and believe that, yes, if it happened for me, it can happen for you. Thank you both for having me. Thank you so much, Sabrina. I love you, sister, queen in Christ. And thank you so much. Have a blessed night. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being there. And uh, uh, I tell you, we're looking forward to even great, greater shows that are coming as we bring together survivors. We're going to take a commercial break, and I am, I know that I have my distinguished uh, colleague and uh, partner inside of De- De- uh, Destiny by Choice is on the line as well, Dr. Douglas, and I'm, hopefully I'm going to be able to get her on before we end tonight because of the fact of uh, just some powerful insight here, and I know that in, uh, in, in her uh in her quest and in her plight of addressing these issues, she's seen uh, so many things from so many different walks of life. So immediately after commercial break, uh, we'll come back and um, we'll finish listening to uh, Sabrina, and we'll hopefully bring on Dr. Douglas as well. And remember, if you have a question and or comment, simply uh, hit number one on your keypad if you're listening in right now, and that lets our producer know that you want to come on the air. We'll get you on the air. You don't have to give your name, but we will get you on the air. And as always, we thank you for listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to hope. Us. We'll be right back. via internet, you're probably seeing a series of advertisements. Please click on those advertisements as they help us to continue to bring you the best in Soulful Talk Radio. By Choice to Fellowship on Facebook is a spiritual, drama-free, judgment-free fellowship forum for like minds to share in encouragement through testimonies, scriptures, music, prayer, worship, and fellowship. It is our desire to be an oasis of hope in the midst of the deserts and wilderness of life's most challenging experiences. We welcome you for prayer requests as well as your testimonies as we collectively operate as thermostats changing life's experience through God's leading in His Word. Join us as we empower lives and shape destinies. That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship on Facebook through a search you can find us. If you're listening via internet and you want to speak to the host, please dial 323-784-9638 and press 1 to be connected to the host. This is the Soul of America Radio. I am Indy Harlem too, and I am fighting the power on the Soul of America Radio. Worldwide Coast to Coast Talk Radio. This is the Soul of America Radio. You're listening to SOAR. And now back to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness with your host, J.R. Thickland.
Welcome back. Welcome back to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. This is your host, J.R. Thicklet, and I'm so very glad that you've joined us here on the Solo America Radio Network from coast to coast. Every Monday night is where you find us. For those of you that are listening to us online, www.soloamericaradio.com, we thank you for joining us. And, of course, if you have a question at any given time, simply call in, Erico 323-784-9638, and um, hit the number one on your keypad after you're in that lets our producer know that you want to come on. And those of you that are listening online, even now, if you have a question and a comment, you don't have to give your name. Just simply hit number one on the keypad. We'll get you in. Before the break, we were listening to our very special guest, Sabrina Harris, uh, the CEO and founder of the House of Lavillionaires. And uh, we're talking about not only her journey from pain to power and what has happened as a result of it. Uh, we had Sheila uh, Bryan on earlier, and the both of them, and we're in the midst of our conversation with Sabrina and um, some very special events that are happening, one being on April 18th, uh, 2015, here in the South Florida area. So those of you that are listening from out of town and around the globe, those of you that may be listening back on podcasts, uh, April 18th, that's a Saturday, mark your calendar, and uh, she's going to give you more information. If you desire to come and spend a very, very uh, well-spent weekend here in beautiful South Florida, this is the event you want to attend. And so I'm going to go back to Sabrina, and she's going to talk a little bit more about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about another event that will be coming up as well. And we're going to uh, go ahead and get Dr. Douglas on the line as well. Uh, Everything Dr. Douglas is not only our friend and colleague within Destiny by Choice, everything Dr. Douglas is a uh, uh, she's a behavior scientist. Uh, she she has done it all. She has been involved in this area of domestic violence uh, for nearly 30 years, if not more. And she's done a lot of work across the country with this. And uh, I know that she's been listening uh, to these uh, powerful stories from the women. So we're bringing in Dr. Douglas well. But, Sabrina, we'll start back off with you uh, inside of um, – where you're at now and where we're going here with not only uh, the, I love it, the art of letting it go, <laughs> and and from there to some other things that you're doing. You're on the air. Well, thank you again, Pastor Thicklin. The brunch that we have coming up, it's an empowerment brunch on April 18th from 11 o'clock to 4 o'clock. It's at the Doubletree Hilton in Palm Beach Gardens. And the concept came to me, it was a resonating theme, with me doing the crisis counseling and doing a lot of mentorship and speaking with people, I was becoming overwhelmed with the stuck points that I was encountering. And, I mean, it was like almost as if a lot of these individuals were safeguarding their hate and the disappointment and the the just the unhappiness and lack of being okay with where they were in life. And a lot of it was leading to anxiety, depression. These people were really going through some psychological trauma because they were not able to let it go. Their perception of the events that had occurred and how they felt about it and what they felt was done to them, et cetera. And God laid it on my mind and heart that it needs to be an understanding and not just a secular understanding but with a spiritual connotation that there is a process to being able to forgive. There's an art to it. There's a science to it. And there, it's a process that must be learned and taught and educated. And I also wanted it to come from the two different veins, not just a male perspective, not just a female perspective, but from both. And that's what we've done. We've brought two pastors, male pastors together and two female 
pastors as well and have them come into the environment in addition to myself from a more of a counseling and inspirational empowerment pers- to try and bring all the pieces together. And then we have the platforms we give to spoken word artistry, the interpretive and mind dance. So it's just an eclectic event, but the theme is definitely forgiveness. And not only is it forgiveness, you know, inside of what is going on there, uh, there, there is something very powerful that is happening because there's going to be actually, I'm not going to call it a forgiveness circle, but it's definitely going to be a, a time of really forgiveness, exercising that inside of that. And um, it's going to be powerful in every stretch of the imagination. And what we're seeing is that healing, you know, healing, will take place for those that are looking for healing. You know, there are many times that people are stuck. They're stuck. They don't get healed because they, because um, oftentimes they have not gotten to the place that they want to forgive. And we all know that forgiveness is a process. And so inside of it, for many, they they will hold on to that pain because for them that pain reminds them of what happened to them. And, uh, you know, and what happened to them is oftentimes where they're stuck at. But our whole point is to get them from what happened to them and to the place of what what is now happening for them. And that's what's very powerful inside of that. You know, and that's that one event on April 18th is going to be powerful, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the beautiful Doubletree Hilton Hotel there in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. But then in June, June is going to be quite an event as well because we're talking about June 26th and 27th, and in particular, I believe, that those are the dates. And, and you're talking about on the 26th where there's going to be a platform there that is going to deal with a level of addressing the issue of domestic violence that uh, it's going to be very interesting because we're going to not only have uh, female survivors and, 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 and everything, but we're going to also have male survivors of domestic violence. We're going to have men that was once perpetrators of domestic violence that will be sharing that platform about their mindset, their behavior and thought process while they were in it and how they came out of it and how they have been able to sustain and live a life uh, being uh, abusive-free inside of it. And there's some other things that are happening. Uh, Share with us uh, what this event is going to be all about. You know, it's actually taken on a life of its own, and I say God is truly amazing because he puts the pieces together for how he desires things to materialize. And I appreciate you for understanding my unconventional nature because I'm not conventional by any means, but it's all in good faith. And one of the things that I noticed, particularly speaking to with my current husband, who I feel like is a gift from the heavens above, he's just been absolutely phenomenal through all of this, even from my coming out of everything that I've been through and to be there for support. But he has often said, and I've heard many other men and women say, that they don't understand how a person could abuse to this degree. How could they have killed or maimed and all the things that go along with domestic violence? And it came to me that instead of people on the platform, on the journey, trying to speak for an abuser or a perpetrator or a person who's come out of it, what better way than to have that dialogue with that person who can tell you what was going on inside of their mind and their heart and if they were abusing drugs or whatever may have come along with it so we can get the real truth 
and it's about those who have truly come out, those who understand the error of their ways, those who have sought forgiveness, and those who, again, want to shift the pain to purpose. So we're going to have a meet and greet. I've welcomed one of my good friends who's a spoken word artist on a national level, and she actually does a session or a piece or a segment on the topic, and we're morphing that into people on the front lines like yourselves and others who are committed to this topic and helping people to come in and have those people talk to a nation and help heal a nation. And then on that Saturday, that'll be June 26th, and on the Saturday the 27th, we're debuting a fashion show that is solely for survivors. And I thank God for the women I now work with, and I'm looking in futuristic to work with men, but these women have survived some of the most incredible storms, and they are still standing. So these are the women we gift with, glam sessions, the makeup, the clothing, and we give them an opportunity to rip the runway and just really feel good about themselves to be empowered. So the theme is Butterflies Rise and Tigers Roar. So it's about being courageous but still rising and knowing that you can come out of this and you can be free. Awesome. Awesome, absolutely. I mean, this is going to be some great events, and uh, uh, we want everybody to keep in mind, follow us on Facebook. Inside of that, definitely you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Domestic Violence, it is your business page, uh, the J.R. Thicklin page. Uh, follow us on our other page there, which is our page of inspiration. Is That's Destiny by Choice 2 Fellowship page on Facebook. And follow Sabrina as well, their uh, Sabrina Harris page, and you'll see other advertisement about both of these events. Listen, if you want to find out how can you participate and get a ticket to the uh, April 18th event, uh, Sabrina, could you give them that number of the ways that they could reach out to you? And definitely you can reach out to me. I have some tickets, as a matter of fact, and I want to sell every one of them and then some. So, Sabrina, tell them how they can get in. Well, they can reach me personally, area code 561-352-5418. Again, 561-352-5418. Or they can simply inbox me, House of Love Illionaires is a Facebook page. And we have saturated the community, different vendors and uh, certain people, speakers like yourself. They do have tickets in hand. Or we can add you to a list. They can go on Eventbrite. We've just made it systematic and easy for you to be able to come and have a really good time. Awesome, awesome. And inside of that, Dr. Douglas, you've been on the air. You've been listening to all of these different uh, uh, not only testimonials but uh, empowerment and the things that people have done as they've turned their pain into power. And definitely I want to hear from you. Because not only as a you know not only as a clinical person and a person who's been involved uh, in, inside of so many things, what does that say? What what does it say? What message does it send to those that may still be in an abusive relationship, as well as uh, you know uh, what are some things that uh, uh, people can do to actually find themselves at this place of uh, power coming out of their pain? Well, I, I really like that topic to power because that's exactly what comes out of it and and I listened to both of the ladies and I'm really glad that you were on the air because you gave a different perspective uh, coming from within you gave the perspective of how it affected you and what you did about it some people talk about how it affected but not what they did to get out of it to help themselves I want to address um, 
Sheila. You you were so uh, picturesque. You gave such a great illustration of what was happening to you. And one of the points and for the listeners is that something usually significant in your life, not something significant that happened to you, but something significant that happens to one of your loved ones, most times brings you out of it. Unfortunately, until that happens, it's it's unfortunate. So the first thing is awareness. One of the first things I remember when I started in, in my practice and I used to work with other psychiatrists and psychologists, and I had a mentor that said, you'll be the best in your field once you are most aware of your own behavior, okay? And wow. and because becoming aware of your behavior helps you to understand the behavior of others. And I remember when I was 10 years old, I told my dad this is what I wanted to do. Well, of course, he came from the farm, and he thought that being a school teacher would be best. And he said to me, he said, well, you want to be, he said, you want to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist, then you need to be a little cuckoo yourself. And I said, well, Dad, I am. <laughs> I am. That's why I want to do it. And so, and I'm listening to, to what uh, Ms. Bryant spoke about, how what happened to her sister. And that was the, the passion within her of having to work with her siblings and caring for them. She realized that I can't care for my sister when my sister is here trying to care for me and about to lose her life. I need to wake up. I need to stop. I need to stop allowing this man to keep gaming me because that's exactly what he was doing. He was he was taking it as a toy, and you were falling right into the pattern. And you were falling into the pattern basically because you were losing some of your morale and your high self-esteem because of the children. You were trying to protect your children, and, of course, you didn't want them to see you at your lowest place. And that's where he was taking you until you realized that, the sibling that I have here who is part of my comfort and and part of being raised with me and understanding, I almost lost. And if I lost her, I would also be losing myself and my children would not have a go-to if something happened to me. And I'm sure all those things stand to your mind. But, Ms. Harris, when you said, I thought when you were speaking, I thought you were speaking about something that happened about 20 years ago. But when you told me it was 2009, I said, oh, my goodness, she's just coming up. She's just coming up out of it, and look what she's done already. But you know what helped you with that? With having two parents. And the fact that you said that you were a daddy's girl, that's what, when I'm just doing a fashion show, building the self-esteem, helping others who are coming out of this low, low area in their lives. More than likely, you got that from your dad. How your dad showered you with gifts, not just physical and materialistic, but the gifts that he gave you when speaking with you and talking with you and guiding you and tampering you and showing you that this is how a man is supposed to show you passion. Of course, you went out and went the other way, but that's not unusual because you have so much going on at home. You want to see what the other side is like. I remember my son even saying to me, Mom, I didn't know we were poor. I said, honey, we're not poor, poor, but we don't have it like a lot of people do. He said, no wonder you sit up all night making my clothes. He said, but the way you do it, he gave me the grace to know that we can have, we can do whatever we want to do, you know. So he said, said, but that's what helped me in my life. That's my son. I listened to him. 
So as you listen to your children and they grow, they come back to you because they're asking you. You're the pioneer of them, and you're the person who's helping them to move forward. So they're going to ask you, Mom, what should I do? Or what do you think about this particular situation? Um, Pain to power. You get tired of feeling it. One of the things I have to tell you, ladies, that it's never over. I've had people say that I'm a survivor, but that's a survivor because you have stopped the punches, but you haven't survived within yourself. Your mind stays there. It's into the uh, book that I wrote several years ago about drugs. The brain never forgets. So it's just like the beatings. The brain never forgets. You may see something that reminds you of the abuse. Say particularly if this husband, one of your husbands there wore a red shirt all the time. He loved this red shirt. Every time he had this red shirt on, he wanted to hit you. You can walk down 10 years later and see a man with a red shirt. Next thing you know, that thought has crossed your mind. So you're not a true survivor. You're still working at it. You don't give up because if you don't keep at it, If you don't keep at it, it's going to eat you away. So even for the listeners, if you're out there, you may not have been the victim. You may have even been the abuser. You may know of someone. You know of your children who are going through it and seeing their friends coming out of the house crying because their mother's inside being beaten by their dad. Every person on this earth, I'm sure, knows someone that is going through or has gone through abuse. But that's why we speak out. Those who have wow. been abused and those who understand it, because that's how others will be able to be help, help, helpful. Now, some people say, oh, you hear one story, you hear another. They're all the same. They're not all the same. Absolutely. They're not all the same. But, but one of the things that I didn't hear, and I'm glad that um, you, were, you were confident enough, Ms. Harris, to say that it wasn't always one-sided because you fought back. And that's yeah. true. And that's so true. The, uh, you have to fight back. If you don't fight back physically, put your brain to work, okay, and fight back knowing mentally set up a plan, plan A to plan B. Because it takes time to leave the situation. If you just run from the situation immediately, you'll eventually come back to it because he's got a good story. You loved him at one point. There was a time when you did. You know, so you take steps. And that's what I heard you say, you took steps. Ms. Bryan, you took steps, but you didn't take steps until you realized that not just your life was in danger, but the lives of those you love. And so the, the listeners... Take steps now. Even from take from the time you're on right now on the phone or on the on the internet online listening. Think about what you're going to do next. Start your journal. Start your journal. And then many times when you're sleeping, thoughts come to you. They call it day residue. Sometimes it, it happens. Get up and have a journal next to your bedside. And, and a pen in hand in the journal. Don't turn the light on. Just write blindly what it is that you've come to mind. Come to mind. It's going to look like scribble in the morning, but you'll be able to decipher it enough to know that this is something you need to put in your plan to get out of it. Now, one of the things what both of you mentioned when you talked about your mate, the, the, the abuser, I wonder, I was thinking when you were speaking, where are they now? What has happened to them? A lot of I was talking to some police officers not long ago, 
and I and uh, and they were saying that oh this is a domestic violence situation. I said why? Why do you call it domestic violence situation? Because it's between the the husband and the wife. They're having an argument or dispute, and you want to say this is domestic violence. What about assault? It's not always. It's because this happens to be husband and wife. You want to don't don't the policemen need to be better trained to make the yeah. decision what the differences are because they carry different weights in court. You know, so Absolutely. so you two, you know, you two being the victim, trying to understand what the legal ramifications are, especially in the state of Florida, because each state is different. The state of New York, the man is always right. Isn't that something? The state in, wow. in D.C., the District of Columbia, they say to the woman, leave the home and we'll take you to a shelter. Why don't they say to him, you leave the home and you find some place to live? He's the one that's taking on the woman. <laughs> so there's different, there's different rulings by state. So wherever you are, listeners, you could be in North Carolina, California, in Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica, get to understand your law. Get to understand the state law so that you can have the law to work in your favor, okay? Not necessarily put him away, but for your equal rights. Okay, there's a the civil liberties law, civil liberties for women, for children. And, and, and hopefully you have three children who are, are close in age, uh, Ms. Bryan. By now they're probably a little bit older and they are more understanding. And I'm sure you did not covet them for this because they need to know. And then, so they're probably your, your shelter. They're, they're your go-to for the passion that you may need. Miss um, Harris spoke about her second husband. Second husbands love you so much that they feel for you. And I'm sure that when they hear you speak, they're sitting in the back of the room with tears in their eyes to know that you once endured you know, that you once endured this, but you've made you a different person. God has a plan for all of us. Like Pastor Thickland and I speak of, the Alpha and the Omega. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know that he is bringing us through for a reason. Why did he put it on me? Why did he have me to have to suffer like this? Because he wants you to go and help those who are suffering. That was That's the gift. It took a law. It took some butts. It took some butts. Took a slash in the head. It took a lot. All of that. It took some demeaning yeah. education. But you're you're there to help others, and that's you know that's the only biggest thing is what I can say. So I'm saying to the listeners, you have heard two telephone numbers on this air, and you've heard the numbers from people who are out there who are good listeners, good resourceful people. People who are building and helping. They may be in this Palm Beach area, but if you call them from a different area code, they'll answer, and they'll be able to tell you where you can go to get help and still be on the line to help you to walk through it because these are folks who have the open heart. That's what we have is an open heart to do what we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well. Thanks so very much, and what a powerful interview that was with our very special guest at that time, Sheila Bryan, uh, Sabrina Harris, and my colleague and friend, uh, Dr. Annette Douglas. Listen, you've been listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. We're a little bit over our time tonight, but we thank you for joining us tonight. For all of our new listeners that are listening in on tonight, you can find us here every Monday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 o'clock 
Central, 7 o'clock in Mountain Time Zone, 6 o'clock in the Pacific, and wherever you may be around the globe, you can find us here. Now, I want you to make note of this. So you, of course, listen to portions of this show was pre-recorded uh, from our earlier show. I want to make sure that you mark your calendar on October 17th, October 17th, 2015. There's an event that both Sabrina Harris of billionaires along with ourselves here at Destiny by Choice that we are putting on. And I want you to mark down the event because this event is going to take place October 7th from 9 to 4 p.m. It's going to take place right here in sunny South Florida area. It's going to be here Excuse me. It's going to be right here in our area. It's going to be at the Airport Hilton. And I'm going to give you all that information in a second. But the Airport Hilton is where this will take place. And I want you to make sure that you make good notes of this because this is going to be an event that is going to be transformative. You have not quite seen an event in the manner which this one will be. And so this event is, once again, it's going to take place on October 17th here in West Palm Beach, Florida, at the Airport Hilton. And this event here is going to be filled with the healing of that pain. The, the things that you heard earlier are pertinent. Those things are going to happen. They're going to happen. Those things are going to happen as it relates to everything for us against the panel, uh, those that are going to be there to uh, minister, uh, expert panel, survivors, um, uh, male survivors, female survivors, uh, male perpetrators, Perpetrator. This event is taking place. It's going to be taking place right in the city of West Palm Beach. It is going to be taking place not only in West Palm Beach, but it's going to be taking place on this particular Saturday, October. It's going to be something I think that you're going to find. Not only uh, is it going to be a, an event that's going to open our eyes, but the event itself. It's called Unveiling Secrets of the Past, Transforming Lives for the Future. It's a uniquely developed symposium on the topic of domestic violence and sexual And it's going to be at the Airport Hilton, 150 Australian Avenue, Beach, Florida. And uh, let me tell you, the entry fee is only $10, $5 for team. So you can uh, reach either one of us as far as the tickets go. Uh, Sabrina at 561-352-5418, or you can reach And so I want you to be aware of that. Take part in that. This is going to be this is going to be not only inform uh, informational and informative, but it's going to be transformational. And I promise you that you won't be disappointed. Uh, right there at the beautiful Airport Hilton in West Palm Beach, and uh, so many things as we prepare for uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. For those of you that are listening on the line, you may say, "Hey, Pastor Strickland, I want to find out." Uh, and, and Pastor Strickland and J.R. Strickland are the same person. I want to find more about what we can do about domestic violence. Perhaps you're listening tonight, and wherever you be, you may be saying, listen, I would love to have you a part of the team to come and uh, do some things in my area or even speak to our church or whatever. You need to give us a call or email us at manofpurpose2000 at gmail.com. And the reason that's important because our calendar fill up very quickly, especially in the month of October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And then, of course, as we travel around the country, for those of you that are listening now, we just returned from Oakland, California, the Bay Area, on this past Saturday night. We were there from last Wednesday to this past Saturday where we were there addressing the, uh, uh, if you would, the past 
pastors of Oakland, the Bay Area there, and we did that in uh, conjunction with a safe place, a safe place. That's right, Domestic Violence Center there in Oakland, California. Uh, just a state-of-the-art center there. The executive director out there is Carolyn Russell, and they are doing some work, and we are working with them. They are going to be training clergy in churches in addressing domestic violence. I will be assisting and going out there to help do that. Uh, and so we were there this past week, the week before we were in San Diego from um, the August 19th through the 22nd, we was there with the African American Peace Project doing our work there. And the week before that, we were in Greenville, Mississippi, where we were there part of the Speaking of Faith conference that was held there. And we had a tremendous time with the African American Domestic Peace Project uh, uh, team. And uh, definitely the host there was our house there with Dr. Patricia Davenport. And as we traveled this country and continue to do this work, uh, both uh, nationally, internationally, and statewide, this is a serious issue. And until we take it serious and understand that, listen, there is no excuse for this abuse, we would have failed not only ourselves but the next generation. Listen, our time is gone. Thank you for uh, enduring even this uh, overage here. But until next time, this is Pastor J.R. Thicklin, and I say unto you, have a great night. Be blessed and know this that your silence perpetuates violence. But you can't come out. There is a way out. And that way begins with you right now, knowing there's no excuse for the abuse. God bless you tonight.